Welcome to The Lorraine Murphy Show. If you're anything like me, you want a successful, abundant business, epic energy, a growth mindset, vibrant health, and beautiful relationships. And this podcast sets out to help us achieve all of that together. I've been in the entrepreneurship arena for almost a decade now and have mentored hundreds of other business owners. So I know what goes on behind the scenes and what it takes to succeed. This podcast shares the tips, tricks, learnings, and lessons I lean on in order to blend the different facets of my life as an entrepreneur, author, wife, and mama to two gorgeous little humans. Let's jump in to today's episode. Well, hello, and welcome to this week's episode of The Lorraine Murphy Show. Making the transition from cash for time to a fully scalable online business is a daunting prospect, but... My guest this week is here to step you through exactly how she did it. Dr. Kyla Smith is a Perth-based pediatric dietitian who, four years ago, transitioned from being a purely in-person health provider to building two membership communities, Baby Mealtimes and Toddler Mealtimes. In doing so, she has created a business model that doesn't rely on her time for its revenue, and she's grown her team to a mostly remote team of 10 and ensure that she personally has the flexibility that she wanted for her young family. Kyla is a brilliant case study in how to take her expertise online, and lucky me, she's also a longtime mentee of mine. In myself and Kyla's action-packed chat, we cover the initial bricks-and-mortar model in her business, what the tipping point was for her to transitioning the business to an online model, the very first steps she took towards making that a reality, how she built brilliant trust capital with her community long before she had anything to sell to them, the golden rules that grew her Instagram audience to over 60,000 people, her experiences of imposter syndrome, this is really important, this one, in the online world and how she continues to conquer it, the upside to adding the online element to her business, how it's benefited her, her family and the business itself, what her biggest learnings have been on the journey, the two critical pieces of advice that she wants to pass on to other business owners aiming to do what she's done, and because we have her, her number one tip for baby weaning and her biggest tip for dealing with fussy toddlers. I'm so excited to bring you this chat. I loved having it with Kyla and you are about to get so many golden nuggets from an absolute pro in the online space. So let's bring on Kyla. Hi, Kyla. Thanks for joining me. Hi, Lorraine. Lovely to be here. Oh, I was just saying to you, this is so strange. I'm so used to like mentoring with you and then we get to do this. It's very cool. So thank you. And I think you have so many lessons and insights and hard-won wisdom and experience to pass on to my listeners. So I'm really thrilled that we get to hear the, the Dr. Kyla story today. Oh, I can't wait. I feel like you need a TV show. It's like Dr. Dr. Kyla. It's such a, <laughs> a ring to it. <laughs> You're like Dr. Phil, exactly. So. Yeah, Dr. Phil, but about nutrition. So can you give us a bit of a background to your career and, and, and also our history together, so how, how we came to know each other, but, but mostly about you? Sure. Um, so I am a pediatric dietitian. I uh, worked for uh, 10 years before in the um, public health system over here uh, in WA in a number of different roles, so mostly in pediatrics, but I worked across all of our you know, big hospitals, um, in policy units, in um, child health centres, in the hospitals. Um, and then I did my, I was lucky enough to do my PhD in childhood weight management. Uh, mm-hmm. So I finished that. Um, and then I'd worked as a dietitian for 10 years and I wasn't really sure what to do with my newfound qualification and, you know, all of this kind of varied work history. And at that point, I decided to set up my own business. So uh, that was five, six years ago now. So I've, I've been doing this for a little while. Um, and I started um, seeing kids in the fussy eating space. So really kind of knuckling down and specialising into that area that I'd worked in for a decade prior to that, uh, but doing it for myself uh, at okay. that point. So Can I just ask a really obvious question? Of it's just Sorry, it's, it's, it's obvious to me because I know you and your work <laughs> for the last couple of years, but why would someone need to see a paediatric dietitian? Sure. So you can see a pediatric dietitian for a number of reasons, but basically optimizing health and nutrition uh, during childhood. So you might see a pediatric dietitian to do with um, food allergies. You might see with difficulty with weight gain or excessive weight gain. You might see them around 
different metabolic disorders, gut health, all sorts of things. Mm. For me specifically, um, we work with or I work with children who um, are extremely restricted in their eating. So they might um, have had a fussy, you know, toddlerhood, but they've got to a point um, somewhere during childhood where they eat only a handful of foods. They're terrified of new food or eating at other people's houses. They perhaps only eat white bread and hot chips and chicken nuggets and they are really really stuck and so Mm. we work with those kind of kids to help them build confidence and skills to be able to enjoy a wide variety of food but it's it's hard work um but it's really great work yeah so important my god Mm. and also to make sure you know on top of that that they're not deficient in things that we supplement appropriately we support you know gut health well-being all of those things as well Mm. because it's so stressful when your child isn't eating you know where they they get (laughs) They do that classic thing where they love something one day and then the next day it's the most disgusting thing they've ever eaten. And, and you know, that would be so much more amplified with the, the kind of work that you do with the parents and, and what they're experiencing day to day. And consider that normal kind of fussiness times a million for some of yeah. these families. You know, they yeah. eat two foods the entire, you know, you go away on holidays and you have to pack an entire yes. suitcase of the same food because That's your child thinking, the logistics cannot... of it, holy God. Yeah, <laughs> Huge. exhausting. And yeah. stressful, yeah. Yeah. And you and I, so you were actually oh, meant to come to Bali with me in May. Holy God, it feels like about 17 years ago, doesn't it? 2020, yeah. we were meant to go to Bali together in my retreat. But I was like, I remember I moved it back to October. I was like, we'll be done with this in six months, but <laughs> clearly not. And, it's COVID. It's just like oh, the flu. <laughs> oh, God. And, and so, yeah, that was two years ago. We, we should have been in Bali together. But since then, you've been in, well, you're my, the second of my masterminds now. So, um, yeah. And, and do you, you remember in our very first session when you set out like a quite, a, quite ambitious financial target and growth and you, yeah, just, just what you've gone on to achieve over the last year or so has just been amazing. Absolutely amazing. Thank you. I think I've fallen into it really because you're mentoring and things because I think I signed up for that retreat just as something to do for myself. Like, yes. why not? I need to, you know. I'm working really hard. What am I, what's it for? What can I yeah. do that's nice for me? And then, of course, that got taken away by COVID. And then it kind of redirected me into the mastermind, though, more to do some mentoring rather than just retreat things. Mm. Yeah. And we were both, we were both moms of one then as well, when you think about yes. it. So, yeah. You had Cleo in that time and I had Wilder a couple of months after you, well, three months after yeah. you had Cleo. So, can you tell us? So, you were talking about the fact that you're in the hospital system. And then you decided yep. to set up your own business. So that very first business was a bricks and mortar business, wasn't it? So it was a clinic where you would see patients in there each day. The first one wasn't. The first one was actually a home visiting service. So oh, I didn't it know was, that. Okay. Yeah. So at that point, I was working two other roles at the time, and it was something that I just kind of tapped on the side as quite a low risk venture. I was totally new and green to business. So it was just a a way to kind of test the waters. But to be Mm. honest, I had no business knowledge or sense and I was planning to charge people like $50 to come and do these epic consults. Yeah. Yeah. Back in the day. So and I was like, oh but I'm not paying rent. It's just my time. Um and I yeah now realize how valuable that time is. But yeah, my very first venture was about home visiting and then it got to a clinic um when I got so busy that I couldn't continue to travel all around Perth to follow up with children um, yes. and see them in different parts. So that's when we added in a clinic. So the home visiting is still part of what the business does now, that bit, um, but the clinic is is important to us too. Yeah. And then so at that point then you centred yourself in a clinic and clients came to you, which was, of course, way more efficient for your time. Well, we still do home visiting as an initial consult because in, in this area of work, the things that you can see and understand in a child's home around how they normally eat, what they, mm. you know, their setup is, their positioning is so helpful for us. Um, and it really kickstarts that kind of um, therapy work that we do in the clinic. So we still offer that, um, but we price it more appropriately as well yeah. uh, to what we <laughs> used to do. I love, love how yeah. diplomatic <laughs> you put that. So you had the clinic and then how long was it before that you had the clinic before you actually started the online model of the business? So I started the online model when I was on maternity leave with Elsie. So that was Mm -hmm. in 2018. Um, But I was still, so I was still on maternity leave from both of my other jobs. I'd been working in the clinic, um, my lecturing role at the uni uh, and my health department role as well. Um, And I took maternity leave and, and someone took over the clinic for me in that time, my lovely colleague Lauren. And then I decided, right, 
there's something else I want to do here. Um, and that's when it kind of started, so 2018. Mm. And what was your what was the tipping point to do that? Was it the fact that you had maternity leave and you had some headspace and some bandwidth and some, some time to start it? My plan was actually to write a book at that time. So ah, okay. what I wanted to do was have a book. It was going to be called Elsie Eats because that was the name of my, oh, that's the name of my first bubba. Um, <laughs> and it was going to be like a record or a journal of what I was feeding her, why I was feeding her, the kind of important things that I could share to parents um, to kind of stop them getting to the end of the line when they were seeing us in the clinic. So really setting up that kind of positive and healthy relationship with food from the start. So my plan was it was going to be quite pictorial but really kind of conversational and educational as well. So I started kind of putting together this book um, and at the same time I, I just started a little Instagram account and I thought I'll just share some of these, you know, and see what people think. And the tipping point really came when I was growing that audience and people were just asking me, like I would put a picture of the food up and people would ask me the same question hundreds of times. Okay, and Well, no, it was multiple questions, but they were the same kind of things. Like, why did you give her that? How much yeah. did she eat? How much did she have? What if she didn't eat this? You know, the same kinds of things were coming mm. up from different people. And I was giving the same advice on repeat. Yeah, And it really sparked something, well, it really just helped me to understand what my audience wanted. And actually they didn't want a book. They wanted photos. They wanted videos. They wanted to be able to talk to somebody and feel better about what they were doing. Mm. And a book might have been helpful, but that was really a little bit dated for what my audience wanted at that time and actually I didn't realize that until one of my friends said to me perhaps you need to have this on a website or something and I was like oh I can do that (laughs) she's like yeah you make them pay for it surely and I was like okay now we're talking like I can see what that might look like and that was really before these online memberships were a thing that you could do there wasn't there was didn't really seem to be a blueprint for that at the time yeah um which, I mean, that's crazy, isn't it? That was only four years ago. I know. I was just um, thinking I was doing the maths on that. It's like so, so recent. But I, I guess this is the yeah. thing with this online space is it just develops at a rate of knots, doesn't it? And it just, just it does. And I think for me, I could really see, like, the kids that we were seeing in the clinic, um, they were at the end. Do you know, they had years of trauma around food and their parents were yes. so frustrated and so over it and so stressed. And I was just trying to think, you know, from a, a public health point of view as well, how can we change this trajectory like how can we help kids enjoy food from the beginning so we can maybe you know miss out on some of this panic for families um Mm -hmm. and and every time we would work with them they'd say oh I wish I knew this earlier I wish someone had helped me with this you know back in those early days yeah so I thought right this is this is you know my goosebump moment this is where I have to do this yeah so that was the tipping point for me makes so much sense so what were the, when you, because you're right, four years ago, the, the membership space just, I mean, it was nowhere near what it is now. What were your very first baby steps? Because as you know, the, the reason that I really wanted to interview you, apart from the fact that you're just an awesome entrepreneur and I wanted to <laughs> sprinkle your magic with my listeners. But the, 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 the other reason that I wanted to interview you is that I think you're such a great example of someone who is trained in a, in a particular zone of genius for you as pediatric mm-hmm. di- diet, dietetics. Is that what I'm saying? Dietitian, yep. Dietitian, Diet, I thought dietetics was like the broad Dietetics space. is a career, yeah. Okay, got it. So I think you're a really good example of someone who's trained in that and is such a consummate expert in that and has managed that almost like the holy grail of scaling your knowledge so that you're not limited to sitting in a room with one client at a time. And and when I say limited, you're, you're not limiting the impact that you can have on your future clients, but mm-hmm. also you're not limiting the amount of money. Let's speak very bluntly the, the amount of money that you can make because you can be serving lots of different people without you physically needing to be in the room so what were the very very first baby steps that you took towards starting that online model it's interesting because I honestly had no idea what I was doing at that yeah. point and my my goal was actually not around reaching lots and lots of people I just didn't even believe that that was possible or a yes. thing. you know I was hoping when I think back about my kind of goals for that time it was like can I just make the equivalent of what I'd make at the health department but over three days you know say like 
instead of one day of work, I'll do three days in my own business for less money. It was crazy. But yes. basically what I did is I took the the ideas and I turned them into web content. So I filmed some videos. I took lots of photos of what I was feeding her, things that had gone well with my Instagram audience. I yes. thought about how I could turn them into lessons and I just started writing a course. Um, and then I got a professional logo designed and I linked in with a um, food stylist and a photographer. Um, and actually I did them first. So I thought if I'm going to have some recipes on there, it's actually incredibly hard to take good photos. And I knew mm. that I just did not need that stress. And so I decided to pay um, for that. And that was possibly the best thing I ever did is actually yeah. investing in that because they said to me when they're putting together the videos and the photos that like, you need a professional logo you know, you can't have, I, in my previous business, I'd had something designed on it, you know, the equivalent of, um, what is it, like Airtasker or one Whatever of those was ones. It? Yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that. And, um, you know, it was really bright, garish colours. Like it wasn't the vibe I wanted. It wasn't the mm. feeling that people were looking for. Um, and so I, I paid for some professional um, design as well. And so when it all started to come together, I could see that like, when, I had a web designer building the website. We had, you know, the right colours, the right fonts, the, the right logos, and I had these beautiful photos to put on them because, you know, I, I did know from the beginning if I'm going to make this a, a web offering, it has to be pretty to look at, you know, it has yeah. to be nice. So I, I honestly just started trying to build a website. I know nothing. I built my first website on Wix, but that was, you know, drag and drop and it's and still it's an absolute mess. I, we still use it today though because it works. Um, but this one I got built on WordPress and I did, um, you know, I paid somebody to do that from the start. So, yeah, I essentially just put together this website, thought about, okay, how can I, you know, give people information that they're asking me um, but turn it into a more comprehensive version of what I would, you know, talk about on Instagram. And then I just decided, right, let's sell this and hope for the best. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. So can I ask you, with the initial model like that, that revenue stream that you designed, I've got two questions for you. Was yep. it a membership straight away or did you start as more like a, a short six-week program, online program? It was a membership start straight away. It started as a one-year program. But what yeah. I didn't think about at that time, so I actually had people signing up whose babies were, so it was designed for babies kind of from the start of solids till very early toddlerhood. So say kind of five to 15 months. So I sold it as a year package because I thought, well, that's what they'll need from the beginning to end. But I didn't think about people who maybe had a 10 month old who wanted to join, or mm. I was actually blown away by the number of people who already had a one-year-old who joined because they just found it so helpful on Instagram that they thought there's going to be more, you know, good stuff on the website. So I'll just, it's worth it for me. I'll just pay it. Um, and at that point, I, I kind of realized, okay, I need to have a couple of offerings here that will suit where people are in their journey or when they find me, that it's still valuable for them yes, to join. Yeah. So then it, 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 we added in um, a month-by-month month recurring membership as well um, alongside the, the one-off kind of bigger package to yeah. purchase. Yeah, got it. So really what you had on Instagram, which is which such a gift, was you got to test ideas and you also got to build, I guess, that grassroots groundswell of, of clients yeah. or of members for when you did initially launch it. So did you do a, like a full-on launch? Hey, this new thing is coming. You know, the, the yeah, online so space, the whole launch world. Did you do a I, full launch for it? Well, I did a full launch in my head, but now what I know about launching, like yeah, yeah. very, you thought very, you launched. very <laughs> ad hoc. Yeah. Um, yeah, like I told a couple of people about it. I maybe mentioned it a couple of times in my stories. I sent out an email um, to people. So I must have had some kind of email list at that point, but I certainly wasn't trying to build it. Um, and I said to people um, on Instagram, the people who sign up in, no, it was the first 50 members get 50% off the um, product and I thought I just want some people in the membership and in the group so that one I can get some feedback but two if they're asking a question it's not just me and them in the group <laughs> talking I want to make sure yes. there are at least a couple of other parents so that they feel like they've joined something meaningful and yeah. what I didn't realize is that like people were setting their alarms to get this 50% off mm. deal and then I was at home with a one-year-old who like had hardly slept for some reason. My husband was away. I was like eating my breakfast. It was supposed to go live at seven. And then all these people started messaging me like, 
the 50 spots are already gone. No Why way. can't I get in? I want 50% off too, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, no, I didn't think about, do you know, like now I do things where if I'm offering a discount, it's for a period of time. So if you get in that period of time, that's fine. You don't yeah, have to fight. Yeah. But I was 51 and when it was in my card, it said 50% off and now it's oh, not and shit. all this yeah. stuff. Which, I mean, it's an awesome hey, thing to have totally problem. Yeah, for sure. But it really made me think, like, okay, what am I even trying to do? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so how many members yeah. did you get in that initial launch? Do you know, I kind of, you would know how bad I am with tracking numbers, mm. um, but <laughs> um, I'm mean. not sure. I remember it sold out like straight away um, and then I had, I reckon it Oh, a hundred and something, but people, it actually put people off buying if they didn't get the 50%, like they felt yeah, yeah. frustrated that they'd missed that and it didn't then sell. Whereas it would have been better off offering everybody 20%, for example, yes, and everyone yeah. feeling good about the purchase. So yeah, that makes sense. Um, wow. What a win. And I think it just goes to show like you, how long were you on Instagram sharing the, the LC Eats piece before you launched the membership? <sighs> I was on the like it was probably from the start of when I'd launched the mealtime building blocks in a fussy eating service, um, but I'd really just been pottering about on there. Like I, I probably didn't have more than 1,500 followers at that point, mm. um, so maybe a couple of years um, just, you know, finding my way on the platform um, and then it kind of grew from there. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's a really lovely example of you know, serving before you've got something to sell. And yeah. just building up that really beautiful, authentic connection with your community and also being led by what they want. I mean, I think so many people dive into creating an online offer, an online program or a membership, and they're not actually sure if the the issue that they are trying to solve is actually a real live issue for their audience or not. And I think what you had was the the testing ground that that Instagram gave you and and also almost like the validation for your idea that, okay, if people are showing up on Instagram, maybe they'd be willing to pay for this. And, yeah. And that and was what you went. That's what changed the direction of my business really is the feedback mm. that I got from those people because otherwise I would have just, you know, set off on my happy way to print a book that really in my head was just something I could do. It wasn't even a, a big money maker or a, yeah. I wasn't even going to retire from the clinic. Like that wasn't my plan necessarily. It was just to do something new and exciting. Yeah. But then, yeah, it led me to this. Yeah, it really did. And, and I think, I mean, the word that came to mind as you were speaking there for me was like the book would have been a container for your knowledge and your IP. And it just so happened that the actual container you went to build was the membership model, which yeah. arguably is a lot more profitable. <laughs> and also the book a might have been. easier, like in a way mm. I think easier to build because I have broken down and built up this membership model multiple times in the last couple of years to make it better. You know, every time we find a typo or an error or we have a new idea or there's something else I want to put in there, we can just add it. I, I would be so frustrated to have a book that once it's out, you know, we can't move with the times with the new allergy advice. We can't, you know, adjust things if we want to change our stance on it or, you know, so that's been even better because it meant I could get something out there mm-hmm. but then fine-tune it as we go based on feedback around what people wanted. Yeah. Um, and that's been a real blessing. Yeah, it's so true. It's 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 like a constant work in progress, whereas, yeah, you're so mm. right. I mean, I'm sitting here looking at my fourth book going, there was something I really should have put in there. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> <That's> exactly. <laughs> exactly you can write another one. <laughs> that's true, yeah. Uh, updated with one section that Lorraine forgot. <laughs> so what? fast forward to now. So that was four years ago, yeah? Have I got my timings right? Four years ago that you launched the online model. So what does life look like yeah. now? Can you give us a almost like a little tour of the business right now? Sure. So. What, what does it look sure. like so in terms of revenue that, streams, teams, so on? Sure. So it was September 2018 when I launched that, so just over three years ago, yeah. um, and that was baby meal time. So that was the online membership for introducing solids with confidence. Mm-hmm. And then in April of 2019, I um, built a very similar um, kind of platform called Toddler Meal Times, and that was yes. the next stage in the journey. So that was a membership for um, parents as they were hitting those kind of really tricky, fussy toddler years uh, and designed to be I guess the next step uh, from baby mealtimes another option um, for different sorts of memberships on there so Mm -hmm. the two online memberships are my kind of um, flagship I guess yes there's the clinic still exists um, in Perth so we have a couple of sites and we still offer our home visiting but I'm not working in that at the moment that's um, staffed by my lovely team there's a number of seminars and ebooks that are available on both baby meal times and toddler meal times, um, which are, you know, smaller versions of the membership or recipe-based things that people 
want to read about or watch. Um, and they're the kind of big, yeah, they're the big things that we're selling at the moment. Yeah, excellent. And then in terms of team, so, I mean, you and I have been in the second mastermind for just under six months together. We're almost finishing, <laughs> which is crazy. And, yeah, I think you doubled your team in the time. Yeah. <laughs> six yep. months. So can you just, I mean, without going into individual roles, like who does what in the business? So for, sure. actually, first of all, can we actually, let, let me approach that from a different perspective. What do you do in the business now? Sure. So it was only me until 2020. So yeah. pretty much two years ago, it was me doing all of those things, the developing, the running, the web, the <laughs> Instagram, the marketing, everything. Um, and then I hired my operations manager who worked with me a day a week until um, the end of last year. So operations is around kind of a lot of the membership delivery, the content, the streamlining of everything um, to make it work so that the members have a really nice experience. Mm -hmm. uh, we also have a dietitian now who is four days a week uh, and she is, again, fueling some of that um, content development. So recipe work, um, lots of kind of tweaking and um, new ebook design and development uh, work. And she also sees some clients in our membership who need uh, more one-on-one -on -one support. Mm -hmm. We've got an admin um Legend 2, who does a lot of the you know, lost passwords, scheduling Facebook posts, make sure the emails go out on time, that kind of work. Mm -hmm. um, and then our membership and marketing um, legend, who is really about any concerns, making sure that members have an incredible experience from when they first hear about us, um, from when they're maybe targeted by our ads or when they first see our program into their kind of experience from when they join uh, to when they get to the very end of the road with us that they're kind of looked after and cared for in that time. Yeah. Um, and then my role, which I was supposed to start with, sorry, is I get to be the CEO pretty much this year. I get to uh, show up, attend meetings, make big decisions and you know, offer strategic leadership, but I have to do much less of the day-to-day, -day, you know, I'm not putting blogs on the website. I'm not um, having to, you know, respond at midnight if a member's, you know, lost their access or something like mm. that. So um, a lot more of the overseeing and guiding kind of role this yeah. year. Yeah, love that. And also you had Theo last year and you're yep. currently working a day a week in the business. So uh -huh. I think what you achieve, <laughs> a very, very small amount of time in your business is, is phenomenal. Oh, thanks. So what's the upside? What, what, I mean, I'm going to assume you're very glad that you did add the online element to the business. What's the upside being? Like how has it benefited you, your family, the business? Also, of course, the members and the people that you get to serve as part of it. What, what's the upside being? Sure. Um, for me and my family personally, it, it, like, it's been a huge, huge change for us, but really just the flexibility. Like mm -hmm. I'm able to live my life and work on my own time. And I think the thing that was frustrating me about the clinic work is that I was so tied into, you know, I have to see this person at this time. I have to be at that place at this time. Yes. It was very much you know, a time-based, I have only X number of hours to give. Um, Elsie was in daycare two days a week and it just meant I was either, you know, running myself ragged in that time, trying to see as many kids as I could um, and I just, that's not sustainable. There was only so much I could do, only so much money I could make, only so much, you know, impact I could have. Yes, so you're capped, aren't you? Absolutely capped. Mm. And so this gave me, you know, a lot more flexibility to live my life as I wanted but it also meant that I could reach so many more people and yeah. that you know it's also meant that I can be a bit of a pioneer I don't have to do things like I thought I would I thought I would have to be you know a pediatric dietitian on a wage seeing eight kids a day writing notes at the end of the day always behind on my admin you know that kind of God, I've heard that from so many professional services people yes yes traditional path um, and so this has kind of given me a chance to be like oh I want to try this I've had this really great idea and I've realized you know, that is one of my superpowers is that I can have awesome ideas and I'm always questioning, is there a better way we could do this? How can we try mm. this? How can I get, you know, everyone's asking this question, how do we address this better? Um, so it's kind of given me that creative outlet as well to, you know, think about new things and try new ways of doing things and turns out I'm really addicted to that. Yeah. Well, one of the questions I was going to ask you is, do you feel like you've always been entrepreneurial? 
And I would have never said yes until mm. probably the last couple of years. But now that I look at it, absolutely. Yeah. yeah and it's interesting. It's kind of cool though that I did it when I did it because I think I got to a point in my dietetic career where I thought, okay, like this is nice, but you know, what else am I going to do? Like this is the same kind of thing, you know, every day. And now I can do the dietetic thing with my eyes shut, but I get to learn all about the business side of it and the entrepreneurial side of it. And there's a whole nother learning part for me that is really fulfilling. So Mm. I'm so glad I didn't try and be a new grad and, you know, set up a business and do all these things. Like I had to nail one skill first and then build on what I knew and build on what I knew my audience needed at that point. And I'm a way better business owner because of that, I think. Mm, Yeah, I fully agree. What do you reckon your biggest learnings have been on the journey from from transitioning to online? I've had a lot, I think. Um, One of the biggest learnings I've had is that there isn't a right way that Mm. you have to do something. And in the same way that there are no business people that can tell you you have to do it like this, you know, things are evolving so quickly that, if it feels right and it fits your business, just do it. Don't, you know, it doesn't matter if the book that you, you know, we're going to read three years ago says that, you know, all online businesses should be like this. You know, you yes. don't actually have to yes. follow a rule book. And also, you know, lots of people tried to give me advice along the way and I was always open to things because I, I fully admit I learned all of my early business things from podcasts, free podcasts. That's yeah. all I knew. Um, but I just had to ask myself, does this work? Like, how can I make this work for my business rather mm-hmm. than feeling like I had to follow the rule book? formula almost? Yeah, a formula. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. and so that, you do you would be a big learning? Yes. And that's, I think that's given me, you know, there's been a few copycats along the way and actually I don't even care about that anymore because I just know that I'm going to have all these great ideas and our team's going to be the first to do these things because we are just forging our own way and doing what feels right next. Mm. Um, and that is, that's a power in itself. Yeah. Love that. What are the learnings of you? How do you feel like this been? You could probably write a book about this alone. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So any other learnings? Um, I think that things change quickly as well. Mm. And you want to be fairly flexible and not too stuck on how something needs to be done um, or how you think it has to be. Um, so I, I think like this business has given me flexibility, but it's also taught me to be much more flexible. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, that, and yeah. flexible with what is in your plans, your strategies? Uh, yeah. Plans, ideas, things that we think would work, but didn't really work. Yeah. Uh, things that we didn't think would work, but that have. So we just have, you know, need to capitalize on it. Yes. Um, and just to be, yeah, a bit agile in responding. Mm. I think it is like, it's, it's less work in a way that it's, it's a passive stream as such you know I'm not out there necessarily you know delivering this course live every time um but there is so much that needs attention and changing so it's not fully passive but you have to be aware of what's happening in your business and what's going on and yeah I think that's a really good thing to know because if you think you're getting into just a passive income stream um you know you're going to be yeah um but yeah I think that's kind of my big learning. Yeah. Okay. And then in terms of growing your audience, because as, as you know, a membership model, you, uh-huh. you want to be scaling your audience because that means you've got more members coming into your, into your yep. offer. What, what has really helped you in terms of growing your audience, whether it's online or as in obviously online, but on, on sure. Insta or on email? I think my biggest um, learning around the audience is to treat them well. Um, yeah. And to, so to be, you know, giving with your information, to be kind when you talk to them. And one of the philosophies of, of our company or the, one of the things that underpins what we do is that we always leave people feeling good about the interaction mm. with us. And that's really important to me because personally I'm so sick of, you know, trying to ring to make a reservation at a restaurant and feel like I'm interrupting somebody's time yes. you know, to make a booking. And I just do not want anybody who interacts with us to feel like that. So I'm always conscious of being kind to potential members. You never know who's going to be, um, you know, someone who wants to buy from you in the future. Mm. But also then looking after them and, and asking them what they want. We have a, an annual member survey that we get a ridiculous amount of responses to, <laughs> um, which is incredible. It's because a good sign of itself. 
oh, but the, the suggestions that they have or the feedback that they have, I make a point every year of responding, you know, to the group around what we've taken on board, what we're going to change, you know, how that's going to impact their membership. And that just makes, again, it makes people feel good. We want to listen to them. like They know what they want. So mm. we're really trying to listen to what that is and, and make it happen um, in the membership. So I think growing that audience, that's been a big part. I've just really tried to be nice um, yeah. and not in a, you know, give them everything for free kind of way, just in a genuinely nice interactive way. Yeah. Um, listen to them mm-hmm. uh, and also to just be 100% authentic. I I try and show up on, you know, online platforms. I do lives in the group. I do uh, my Instagram in general and I really just try to be me because I think you can 100% tell if somebody's putting on an act or trying to be a certain way. Mm. Um, and I think that's a factor. You know, lots of people have said to me, like, I just like that you're real and normal and not trying to, you know, preach or make me feel bad about what I feed my kids or, you know, not trying to make me do something I don't want to do. And so that's yeah. been something I've hung on to from the very start. Yeah, love that. So, so good. Uh, can I ask you another question around... Because, of course, it's your name over the door as such. It's, mm-hmm. it's the Dr. Kyla Brown, but you've got quite a big team. I mean, how many? Is there like 12 in your team now? Have I done my maths right, roughly? There's, it's, there's a few fluid kind of roles. So there's a couple of student interns in there. We offer now um, for first-year master's uh, students. We have an option um, for them to do an internship with us. So there's a number of kind of fluid ones. Yeah, I think it's about nine ongoing staff and then a few in and out. Yeah. So I know a worry that quite a few people might have as they transition to the online space and particularly as they grow their teams is that they lose control of the messaging or the service or the the quality, I guess, and, yeah. and it's their name over the door. What, what, have, what have you done to make sure that what is being put out there? And I know you you create so much of the content yourself and you you're, you're, you you touch all the parts of the business. What, what are the things that you have done just to make sure that, if nothing else, you feel more at ease about the team being part of the brand and you not necessarily being across every single interaction that a customer is going to have with your business. It's a tricky one. And it's one that I have battled with over the years because I am so protective over what goes out because Mm. if you harm that reputation or you change that interaction, it it changes everything really for the business. So I think I've, I've just tried to hire well with people who get it. And I think it's really clear if you, if you truly listen to people when you talk to them, especially about things like feeding kids, if they get it, you can teach them all the other skills that they need, but they have to get this, you know, whole philosophy of like the parent is the expert of their child. We come with this yeah. way of feeding, but we're really about supporting them. And, you know, that that's quite inherent for some people and not for others. So I've tried to make sure that the team really embody that we now thanks to my operations manager have a number of um, actual kind of procedures and protocols about how we interact with people you know over particular things ways that we phrase things words that we use Mm. um, to be consistent around that I still like to check most things that go out um, just to make sure that it is the voice of the business it is my voice you're the voice yeah yeah and I've struggled with that over the time like it used to be the I had several Instagram accounts because I was trying to target multiple people and they were in the names of the business. And, and I, I just got, it was too confusing around who was what and where was everything. And so we, we kind of transitioned to that, to that only in the last maybe 18 months, two years. Yes. Um, and I just got really clear on how I wanted to say it. And if I would say it like that, then the rest of the team could confidently say it like that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that has been really important to me. So that there are documents we talk about it a lot at team meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I guess it just kind of leaks out of my pores whenever I'm around and yeah, yeah. in our team. They just, just know how to do it. Yeah, yeah, love that. Can I ask a very, very technical question? Um, I should have asked you this earlier when I was asking you about setting it up. What, what do you use as a team? Because as you said, there's a lot of moving parts. There's two different membership groups. You've also got different products and events and so on that you host and create as well. What, what apps do you use? Like is there a particular software that you couldn't live without, for example, in the business? We've just started using Slack. Um, I think that was your recommendation early yeah. on to do some um, kind of to do all of that communication so that the team could see what was going on without um, 
it being a kind of email chain of, you know, or 15 different WhatsApp groups. Yes, yeah. um, and that's definitely been helpful. It's taken us a little bit of time to get our heads around talking in channels rather than to people. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Slack is, so you know, a, a thing. Um, so that's been super helpful. I think the thing, though, that's been the most helpful is to just be able to try and meet reasonably regularly when we can, and it's sometimes mm. it's virtually, but actually seeing each other, being able to all talk at the same time, um, you know, shoot the breeze, come up with some ideas, get really clear on some things has been like a realisation that we can't be fully you know, just all working on our own. It has to be, you know, some kind of teamwork. Yeah. In there. Um, yeah. Yeah. So we would we would use Zoom. We would use Slack. Um, they're probably the big ones yeah. for what we're doing at the moment. Yeah. Well, thank you. And I think if I'm, I'm putting myself into the shoes of someone or the mind of someone who's thinking about transitioning into to an online offer for their business. I think imposter syndrome is something that comes up a lot, particularly mm-hmm. for women. I hate to, hate to point it out, but it's true. And and because I think we look at other people doing things in the online world and go, oh, look, they're already doing that or that person's doing such an amazing job or there's no way I could afford to shoot my videos as well as that person does, for example. Is it is imposter syndrome something that you've experienced as you did did this swap over or this, this step into the online world or no? Absolutely. And I still really? do. We've never talked yeah, about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think as soon as you put anything out in the world, you start mm. to question yourself, you know, is this good enough? What's it going to be? Um, what are people going to say about it? Um, and I try in those situations to just say sometimes people need to hear it from you in your way and maybe you know like even now all my videos are still shot on my iphone like some of them in the early days i just washed my hair and it was wet and i didn't have makeup on i don't even know what i was thinking (laughs) when i shot then um and i still need to go back and refilm some of those but um also i've just got to get it out there like the message that i'm sharing is really important it will make people feel better about feeding their kids it will give them confidence it will help them to feel good like who cares about really the you know the level of the photography or the level of the it has to be a certain amount obviously to get people mm. in um but you can also do it again later once you yeah. put it out there and that like if I look back at the original things that we published and you know, the original membership it is 500 times better now but it has to start somewhere so I, I think I always just try and stay true to that basic thing do I want somebody to know about this thing I've got to tell them about and then I just have to get over my own self or get up, get out of my own way um, mm. when sharing that information. So, yes, absolutely, I still doubt multiple things. I doubt, you know, have I do I look prepared enough or professional enough in this Facebook video I'm doing? And then I just also have to remember, like, I'm a mum with two kids running mm-hmm. a business, but if it matters to the, my audience that I, you know, have more makeup on or not, then... I don't know, that's not true to me either. So I just try and, yeah, keep it as as basic as I can, really. Don't make it too complex. Mm. And also as authentic as you can. You're showing Actually, up as you and not trying to be someone else. Yeah, and then that's me, right? And so then I'm saying to everyone, yep, yeah, I'm on holidays while I'm filming this for you, but yeah. I still want to be here. And, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm not being somebody else or trying to be a different version of me. And mm. I think that's where potentially I, you know, I or other people have gone wrong in the past is that you feel like you have to put on a, a persona or a yes you know and feel like you're acting almost absolutely and how long can you keep that up I absolutely do not have time or brain space to be having a persona as well as my normal self yeah um, and I do <laughs> not have like one person oh absolutely <laughs> But I do think, I remember one of my friends saying to me, I always laugh at your Instagram stories because I know that's actually who you are. Like that is something yeah, you would say so and that you beautiful. would do. And yeah. that kind of made me realise, like, oh, okay, that is, it's just me. Like I'm not trying to be somebody I'm not. Mm. And I'm, yeah, I'm okay with what I'm putting out there. And I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea either. And that's also fine. Like yeah. the perpetual people pleaser in me struggles with that a little bit, but yeah, um, ongoing one, isn't it? Yeah, I can talk myself through that most of the time. Yeah, love that. When I was uh, when I was running the Remarkables Group, my first business, and we were a talent agency for social influencers, and I would follow someone like almost like scouting people, like as a new talent to to sign up, and I'd follow them for quite a while, and eventually we'd have a coffee, and I'd meet them and and see see you know where they're at, how if it was going to be a fit, and so on, and it was always a measure to me of how 
well, I wouldn't say successful, but how, how much potential an influencer had if they were exactly like they were in mm. person, like I had met them online. And it yeah. was always a really big red flag for me when I met someone in person and I was like, oh God, that's not what I was expecting because to me there was some kind of gap there. Like sometimes people were shy initially meeting up or whatever and then you kind of get beyond that and you could see who they really are. But um, I think, yeah, they, they, I think authenticity is, it's not something that I think people take for granted in the online space. I think it's, it's very, very highly prized. I think you do. And previously. I actually think it's really easy to see through people who aren't. Mm. And perhaps, for, you know, in the early Instagram days, we didn't really get that or, or people, I don't know, weren't as aware of it. But I think now you, you know straight away when you follow somebody, you know, if, if you don't, like them or you don't gel with how they're doing something or they're not authentic you just stop following them so yeah yeah it's a I think people are much better at, at knowing that and seeing through yeah things these days yeah so true and I think also if you think about it back when you started like there was no such thing as insta stories there was no such thing as insta no. lives so you kind of are having to almost like base your assessment of someone on their instagram bridge so whereas I feel like stories give you a much more behind the scenes yeah. inside into people and you can get get a read from a better word. Yeah, and I think stories have been a huge part in growing my business, Instagram mm. stories, really, because there is only so much you can do in a grid and it tends to be much more, you know, cur- curated or styled. There's yes. less kind of realness in it, whereas I, I do think stories have helped my audience to know and then trust me. And when they trust mm. me, then I can, you know, invite them to join me in, you know, the paid options and they they want to. They're excited. You know, I shared a story over the weekend um, about my next kind of potential venture uh, into schools, so school lunchboxes, you know, managing a lot of the difficulties of kind of all the kids eating and family meals and those kind of things. And the number of people that messaged me back, like, sign me up, I'm ready, tell me when to go, just makes me think, like, how cool that I'm actually creating something that people want, they trust that I'm going to meet their needs and they want to pay me for that. Like, that is just... But I just feel really proud of that, that, yeah, yeah I'm, it's not like I'm having to do a hard sell or anything. I'm just giving them what they want and they yeah. know that I'm going to deliver on that and it's going to be a high-quality offering. Yeah. Because I've built that trust. Yeah. yeah. You've done it. You've done it over so many years. What would you say to someone who's just starting what you're doing now? As in, yeah, they're, they're, maybe they're a psychologist or they're a dietitian or they're a nutritionist or they're a personal trainer and they're just about to say, okay, I want to scale myself online. What, what advice would you have to, that, to give to that person? I would say take the baby steps mm. every day. Keep taking little steps because when I look back on what I've achieved in a relatively short period of time, I would not believe that I could do that mm-hmm. many things in that time. Um, and what, what is it that they say? Like the, you underestimate, no, you overestimate what you can do in a day, but you underestimate what you can do in a year. Yes, and really yeah. when you look back, if you just keep taking steps, even when it feels like you're not getting anywhere, then at the end of that time you've, you've taken amazing leaps. And that's something I learned in my PhD. You know, at times when I was like, oh, God, is this ever going to be over? Mm. It was actually just those tiny little chipping away that meant you got to the end and you were able to do it. So try not to leap into everything at once. It doesn't have to be the best version, but it has to be something that is gradually getting better. Um, So take those baby steps. And I think the other thing I'd say is invest in things that you need to. So invest in good tech you know yes do the things that you can do yourself but then when you want to grow it that's when you need to invest in you know the next step in mentoring you know I think that's been a game changer for me having somebody else show me the things I can't see Mm, um the blind spots almost yeah yeah yeah, absolutely sure so you don't have to pay for everything but I think you do want to think about what to spend your money on and there are some things like if you're going to do it online you need to spend your money in tech yeah. Um, and tech support because you have to have a, a working space. Yeah, yeah, or it turns into a very shitty customer experience yes. for everyone very, very yeah. quickly, including the, the business owner. Um, yeah, and I think the thing that you said earlier on investing in good photos, I think that's really important. I think you, that the positioning of having decent imagery, like decent, doesn't have to be like any level with quality, of course. Yeah. But I think having some good shots of yourself, I think, is, is a really, really good thing to, to invest in as well. And I think that's also about knowing your audience, right? Because mm. I know that my audience, 
Like they're on Instagram. They want pretty things to look at. They don't want to have to fight for the information through, you know, ugly stuff. They want a nice experience and that's Mm -hmm. knowing your audience as well. You know, you might work with an audience who doesn't care as much about that, but that it's a big part of, you know, what my, my people want. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then another, another thought just, I mean, there may be no yes or right or no, right or not answer to this, but what you did was you launched your membership and that was the one thing, like everyone came to the membership. Do you suggest yeah. that people should try emulate what you did and do just launch one thing or should they have a couple of different options there for, for their clients? Mm, good question. Look, I did it because that's what worked for me at the time. I think there's mm. going to be a different answer for everybody. I mean, it would be less risky to gradually, you know, build your membership by gradually putting them in ebook books and, you know, working your way up to having enough content for a membership. I don't think there would be anything wrong about doing that. I think you can always you can always add things, you can always take offerings away. Um, mm. so I reckon you just give it a go and see. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I would agree. And I think, you know, something I think that was so something that you did so beautifully in your journey is that you did invest in Instagram, like you gave of yourself for two years, I talk a lot about having trust capital, like you built your 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 account of trust capital over two years. So I think you were almost in a position there to nail your colors to a mass and say, okay, this is what I'm doing. And I'm going to go make this happen. Because you did have the, the validation, like I already said, of knowing what your Insta audience would want. So I think it's, if, if I was to give, to answer your question as well, to build on the question yeah. that I asked you, I would say to just start connecting with your audience now. You know, yeah. Even if it's 15 people, like start putting something out there because at least it's something that's out there that's being tested essentially. And you can start to get some feedback back from your customers. I would get very nervous about someone investing 20 grand in an online program if they didn't even have their Instagram ready to go, for example. Absolutely. As much as you think this is what people want and their problem is, you might not be right. And I think what you had for two years, which you probably didn't even realize at the time, is you had a focus group for two years, which was helping you constantly finesse your idea. That's exactly what I had. And Mm. I didn't realize the value until I started to put it together. And I, I just knew what I had to write. I knew what I had to record because I'd been asked it so many times or I'd talked about it, you know, on live sessions with people. Um, or it came from my, you know, 12 years of consulting prior to that with families directly. So I do think you have to, that's probably another big point with any, any business online or not is you have to know who you're serving you have to know Mm. what they want what's important to them and then you have to try and give it to them yeah yeah you make it so so simple (laughs) (laughs) now because we have you I think it would be remiss of me not to ask you some (laughs) questions for any any parents listening who are pulling the hair out about their kids eating what's your number one tip for baby weaning and your biggest tip for dealing with fussy toddlers okay so babies I think what you want to remember when you are introducing solids is that it is the start of a relationship with food that will last your baby for the rest of their life. And God, not so to true. say that the in a scary or responsible <laughs> way. And I think the thing to remember is it doesn't have to be a great love affair at the start, but everything you do is about building trust and confidence for your baby around mm. food. So it's not just about getting nutrients into them or filling up their tummies so that they'll sleep. Those things are are really secondary to the relationship stuff that comes with food. So really helping them to enjoy mealtimes, you know, for them to experience food, to see you eating, to eat with you, you know, to create that positive feeling around mealtimes helps prevent so many other things later on. Mm. Um, And sometimes, you know, it's hard if babies around you are, you know, forging forward with all sorts of different textures or your baby finds, you know, is gagging on everything or not accepting a spoon or, you know, really doesn't want to feed themselves. It can be hard to, you know, see what's happening for your own baby yeah, but I guess and the comparison I just kicks in big time oh yeah huge huge huge, <laughs> huge but it actually you know they'll all hit 18 months soon and they'll all be fussy regardless of what happens yes, at the beginning so true. but what you can rely on is that relationship that you've built if your baby trusts you not to force food into their mouth not to trick them with what they're eating if they trust you that you'll you know sit and spend time eating and sharing that with them that helps oh, I can't even tell you how much that helps mm. in the long run. So see it as a relationship or an experience rather than some a chore you have to do or an amount that you have to get into them. That would be my yeah. big tip for babies. Um, for toddlers, I think it's it's similar in 
it's a long game. You know, toddlers are meant to be fussy. There is a phase where they stop really enjoying food like they did when they were a baby and they start for a number of reasons to get more and more picky. But essentially, we want to set them up to know that you'll be the boss of the big picture. So you'll provide the things, but you're letting them decide what they want from your offering. So they decide Mm. how much they need to be full. They decide if that's what they feel like at the moment. They don't get to be the boss of everything, but they always get to be the boss of their body. And that's the very start of, you know, body autonomy, consent, intuitive eating. But it's really hard to trust a toddler who only wants to eat one raspberry at dinner. You know, that's Mm -hmm. a really difficult space to be, but it's so, so important that we don't think, I know your body better than you. Um, And actually that's how we help them come through these fussy years is actually setting up this relationship around food Mm. Um, and everything else we can tweak and, you know, have lots of um, ideas for, but it's that the basic, you know, I'll provide, but you decide what goes in your body. Oh, my God, love that. Look at you. It's like a little Dr. Carla showcase. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) So good. Thank you. And And and, yeah, add to that. Yeah. That's just what lights me up. Like that to think that we can raise a generation, this next generation to be in touch with their hunger and fullness cues, to be able to trust their bodies, for us to be able to trust them around food, for us to be able to start to undo some of this diet culture and food shame that is so big in our current society at the moment the way that we all eat is often around good and bad foods and you know we're we're so stuck in certain ways as adults I really want to be the change for that next generation because Mm. if we can help them to trust their bodies from the beginning we can set them up to have this positive um, association with food we can do great things like we can address all sorts of concerns later on in life Um, so I just think there's so much power and potential um, in this next generation Love that. Look at you. Amazing. So, so important, the work that you're doing and so important. uh, I think this will be so important for so many people to hear what you're sharing, because I think this leap to online is a really, really big one for many, many people. And I just love how you've approached it with, I think, a really nice blend of like, okay, just get in and I'll just figure it out. But also being quite intentional about, for example, where you did spend your money versus the the spend versus, versus splurge. And and also everything coming back to, as you said, like giving people an awesome experience and making people feel really good about not just themselves, but also I mean, the impact that you're having on families. I mean, dinner tables all around the world. It's huge. Absolutely huge. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Do you feel like there's anything we've missed, my dear? I was going to say, just out of interest, it's funny that my next kind of focus is actually some more of these physical products. So mm-hmm. even though my original plan was to do the book and whatever, now that I, I'm kind of coming full circle in that this, yeah. this membership is is great and we're definitely still funneling a lot of time and effort into there. But now I've still got this urge to, you know, write the book or we've got yeah. a high chair coming out in um, the middle of the year to meet the needs of families because there's no good high chairs on the market. All sorts of things. It's just interesting to me that that's where I want to go now in this kind of physical product even though yeah it's funny yeah it's it's nice I think to have like something tangible as well and and if you think about it like your membership will just for me that the high chair and the membership like they just blend so beautifully together because it's like a piece of Kyla (laughs) and And God knows I spend enough time cleaning our high chair right now so yes all all help would be much welcome (laughs) yes it's crazy isn't it yeah and I guess that's the thing isn't it that you want to it all has to fit together. There's no point having yes. multiple parts of your business that don't support each other. So the And I do have to remind myself consistently to stay on track that it, we don't need to delve into all these other areas that we really are about, you know, feeding babies and toddlers, you know, that's our core offering. So let's not get too crazy. But, yeah, it's nice to have products that support each other that you can then recommend in the membership, for example. Yeah, for sure. Um, and that's the thing. It's just I mean, really your, your, mar- your focus group is just going to be bigger and bigger, which is perfect. And also, I think once you've gotten to the point that you're at now, where you've got your your two membership models, like it's 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 growing really, really beautifully. And I know that from kind of behind the scenes, the work I get to do with you. But then you almost have permission to then go and start to build more of an ecosystem around it. I think it would be, I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think you would say, oh, go create all the physical products back when you're getting the online model ready to go as well. Like it's almost like there's a time and a space for everything. And do you know what? I think it's very organic. It's almost, doing now. it's almost permission to do the fun stuff now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. 
and, and the playing and the, the entrepreneurship, because that's the other thing as well for someone like you who is so innately entrepreneurial. That's a tough gig just to do, not just to do the same thing, because I know you're constantly finessing and fine-tuning it, but to only have one offer, I mean, I, I think you need the fresh energy of some new things. And I think your audience also needs it as well, like there's new exciting things happening happening in Kyla's world, and they want to be part of that too. So I think it works yeah. for everyone with, when the mm. time and the place is right. Yep, I think you've hit the nail on the table. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much. I, I, I feel like I've learned lots about you. I feel like I never oh. delved deep into the Dr. Carla story. So thank you so much for joining. <laughs> and I'll obviously share all, all the links to, to your business and your, and your different offers in the show notes as well. But um, yeah, thank you so much for joining. I think what you have shared today will help so many people. So thank you so much. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been an honor to be here. There you have it. The amazing Dr. Kyla, the queen of baby mealtimes and toddler mealtimes. You can find out more about Kyla on Instagram, which is at Dr. Dr. Underscore Kyla, K-Y-L-A, and the two membership websites. So babymealtimes.com.au and toddlermealtimes.com.au. And if you'd like to find out more about my mentoring offer, Power Quarter Mentoring, you can hop to the link that I will share in the show notes. And for ease, it's lorrainemurphy.com.au forward slash mentoring. Until next week, I will say goodbye and thank you again for joining me this week. Thank you for being part of this week's episode. It was remarkable to have you. I am always keen to hear your thoughts, questions, ideas and suggestions for future topics for the podcast. So please get in touch on Instagram. My handle is at Lorraine Remarks and through my website, lorrainemurphy.com.au. If you're enjoying what I'm putting out here, please do rate, review, or subscribe to the podcast so more people can find out about it and we can build this special community. Or even better, do all three. Chat to you next week.